Hello and welcome to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. I'm Keith Manconi, and I am very excited to bring you today's show. Uh, this is an interesting little segment that we put together and broadcast live on the morning show with Terry Engel, uh, looking at the history of English language radio in Taiwan. Uh, so once again, this is a little bit different from our usual Taiwan Talk format. You know, this is part of our series in collaboration with the morning show. That kind of just brings you a little bit more of that live, on-air feel. So, uh, without further ado, we got a lot to get through today, so we're just going to get right to it. Uh, I'm going to take you all right now to the morning show of May 11th at 10 a.m. Uh, and uh, right off the bat, just to prepare you all, we're going to be hearing some familiar sounds, I think, to anybody who listens to ICRT. Uh, and then, uh, right after that, we're going to be hearing some Maybe a little bit less familiar sounds, but we're going to explain it all in just a second. So just be forewarned, and uh, here we go. Your international choice. A Taipei R and R through the eyes of the fifth dimension. No need to adjust your time machines, ladies and gentlemen, at all. We are, uh, in fact, in the present day, but uh, having a little look back into the history here at ICRT. Right. As many of our listeners perhaps have already guessed, uh, that was not the sound of ICRT. It was instead the sound of ICRT before it was ICRT, uh, because, of course, ICRT has been around since 1979, mm -hmm. but that is not the beginning of uh, English language radio here in Taiwan. Before that, there was the Armed Forces Network in Taiwan. Uh, now, that was a, a radio station that was set up in the mid-50s to serve U.S. military personnel around the world. And that clip that we just heard, very interesting little bit of uh, radio history, that would have been the clip that would have been played for service people around Asia, kind of telling them, oh, you, you want some R&R? Taipei is the place to go. Here it is. Here it is, right here in Taipei. Now, we have a very interesting segment all set up for you today. We've got a number of guests as well as a number of clips, much like we just heard there. And uh, our first guest, tell us about that, Keith. Well, our first guest, the whole reason that we're having this show is because our first guest is somebody uh, who's quite committed to preserving the history of radio. Uh, and he stumbled upon a stash of tapes from this period in uh, radio history in Taiwan, and he's taken it upon himself to digitize it, preserve it. Uh, so uh, let's get that whole story in just a second. Let's uh, introduce him. Uh, I'm talking about Keith Perone. He runs the Taipei Bureau of PCJ Radio International. That station was previously uh, Radio Netherlands. So, Keith, uh, thanks for being here. Hi. It, actually, no, it, I should correct you on that. It came out of Radio Netherlands. It wasn't previously Radio Netherlands. Got it. Got yeah. it. All right. So... Uh, the whole how this all started is I saw a post from you on Forumosa talking about these tapes that you had. Mm -hmm. 
Tell us about those tapes. Where did you find them? Well, I'm, I'm the kind of person, I think there's a lot of people out there on the weekends, uh, when you have time, you like to go and check out different flea markets, and people are selling all kinds of things. And, and being somebody that's interested in sound, I came across a vendor that had these tapes, and I asked what were on. What, what was on these? He said, oh, I don't know. And I just took mm-hmm. one. So just a guy at a flea market, pretty a much. a flea market, and I went, oh, this is interesting. Were they actually tapes? Tapes? Yeah, 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 of okay. course, yeah, Ampex tape um, and, and a couple of uh, 3M tapes. And I, I, I contacted him after. I said, by the way, do you have any more than these? And he, he said, oh, actually, I, I don't, but I know somebody who does. And we went somewhere, and this guy had a couple of boxes, two boxes of tapes that were sitting in a very wet attic. And that's the last place that you want to keep any type of taste because mold and mildew will form on them. Uh, not just taste, but also carts. This is, of course, pre-CD days when you have mm-hmm. one... Uh, if you don't know what a cart is, anybody, it's a, a tape loop that's inside a, a plastic packaging that plays one or two minutes or three minutes. And they had some of these as well. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. It, it basically, it was the kind of thing he got hold of them because... Somebody had said, oh, here, take these, and he just put them away. He didn't think they were anything interesting, and he'd totally forgotten about them. Well, why don't you tell us, like, what was on the tape then? Uh, you, you went home, you listened to them, and what did you find? Well, I only listened to the ones that I would dare to listen to, because okay. some of them were in really bad condition. But it was programs, um, excerpts of interviews, uh, air checks. Ma- ma- most of them were air checks. Mm-hmm. Um, so a few were studio tapes, but a few were recorded off the air so they could preserve them for like a month or two months or however long it, it was. Um, music programming, some news bits, um, okay. news feed bits coming in from other places of the world. And we'll get an yeah. opportunity to uh, hear some of those. And uh, of course, we're talking about on those tapes was, was the Armed Forces Network mm-hmm. here so, as well. So the Basic, what it sounds like, just from my impression of all this, is it sounds like once Armed Forces Network uh, kind of cleared out of Taiwan, uh, they just let these tapes go. They kind of went off into the ether. Uh, and that was, you know, when it transferred between AFN to ICRT back here. And, in 19. 19- uh, Keith was the benefactor of that uh, of that ether. Well, you. For, for a long time, it was that guy at the flea market, apparently. <laughs> um, now, let's get into some of these clips. We have a lot that we want to listen to today. Uh, the first one that we're going to set up here was actually uh, from the Armed Forces Network, but it wasn't produced here in Taiwan. Uh, it's a DJ named Chris Noel. Tell us a little bit about what well, this program was. Chris Noel was also an actress. She did some modeling. And if any you military personnel out there will know that it, if you want to con- you know, have make contact with military personnel, especially men, have mm. a woman do a program. So this woman sounds very light, happy, and she did just music programming, playing requests for people that were listening to any of the AFN stations. Welcome once again, this is Chris Noel, and I think i got some good songs for you today. Some new ones by, uh, oh, a lot of good artists and some real oldies. Steppenwolf now and Born to be Wild. So that's what would have been playing on the network, Armed Forces Network. Born to be wild. 1969. Like you needed to encourage the servicemen anymore. Exactly. (laughs) And this actually was one of their most popular shows, uh, especially in Vietnam, but also in Taiwan as well. So this was a syndicated program, for lack of a better term. That's right, yeah. Excellent. All right. Now, to just really uh, give our listeners even a better feel of... Uh, what the Armed Forces Network was all about. We have another guest to introduce right now. Uh, this is George Smith. He is the public affairs officer of the American Forces Network, uh, which is the current name of the network. Uh, George, hello to you. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. George, thanks for joining the program. Maybe you can uh, give us just 
you know, a very basic kind of description of what the armed forces or the American forces now, but the armed forces network was and what service were they providing? Well, the thing is that with, and I can understand with its armed forces, radio and television service at one time, now we're the American forces, radio and television service. We've we've about three, four times since we came into existence. And that was back in May of 42. But the best way I describe what we do is is we're hmm, we provide entertainment for the American military, their family members, and uh, DoD civilians and retirees living overseas. And so I, I kind of call us hmm, cultural ambassadors, uh, English ambassadors for the, for the people that are listening in, like the people there in Taiwan. Is they get to listen to and it really is meant from our DJs to our fellow military personnel. But we had many, 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 many uh, host nationals that listened to us like they did in Taiwan in, in the 50s and well, 60s and 70s. Mm, well, let's pick up on that idea of uh, cultural ambassador and kind of bringing uh, American culture to new parts of the world. Um, because you yourself were actually uh, a DJ on this network. Uh, you, you told me before we got on air here in uh, two different countries even. So maybe we could uh, yep. talk a little bit about what you were trying to bring to your listeners back then. Yes, I was a DJ in Thailand from 74 to 76. And then I also was a DJ in Korea from 78 to 79, and, and then I just wanted to stay overseas. I was a DJ in Germany also, so I was one of those AFRTS military distractions. So for me, the, the thing that was very, very gratifying back, and I'll speak to when I was a DJ in the 70s and 80s, was that wherever we broadcast, uh, the people that were listening in, the, the Thais, the Koreans, Germans, and from what I read from from Keith's article and what I've I've heard from Tony Scott, and he used to work over there, the same impact there in Taiwan is that people listen in, uh, they listen in now to learn English, and they listened in then to learn English, and it's my opinion that we really did a lot in bringing American culture to different countries, jazz, rock, pop. Were the Armed Forces Networks, were they involved in the community here? Now, I know you weren't here in Taiwan, but uh, speak on maybe your experience. Uh, did, did the radio stations kind of go beyond just broadcasting over the airwaves? Very much. Time, they were minor celebrities and very much interested in what happened off the military installations. And uh, they would they would be working with some of the musicians in the different countries. They would be English language voice talent on on some um, records at the time. But anybody that lives overseas, that works overseas, you want to mingle with with the people that live in that country, the natives. And and that's what our DJs, many of our DJs, did wherever they were stationed. Me and Continuing on that idea of uh, cultural ambassadorism, as you uh, as you talked about. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that's true. And uh, Germany, for example, uh, Elvis Presley was over there. And Elvis Presley, think about what an ambassador he was. He was actually in the U.S. Army. And so wherever he went, he had throngs of Germans, Americans, wherever he went. And right. he, wearing an American military uniform, was doing music and, and there in person. 
Let me ask you a little bit about the state of the American Forces Radio now today. Do you operate in a, a similar manner? Are you, uh, obviously, you're maybe, well, you're not in Taiwan here anymore. Uh, maybe give us a sense of where you guys are broadcasting now and if the role has changed at all. The role has changed, but I really enjoy hearing that clip from Chris Noel, and she is someone that I work out of Riverside, California, which is about an hour and a half from L.A. and Hollywood, and those are some of the performer performing artists that we contracted with and provided shows for Taiwan, Korea, other countries like that. So Chris Noel, Wolfman Jack, Jim Pewter, Don Tracy, so all of those personalities there in California. and But what our role has changed with right now is, well, it's more technology. We don't have records. We have, we have MP3 files. We go by satellite. And we've gotten smaller as far as whenever the American military leaves an area, so does AFN. Right. And so you guys still primarily provide entertainment for, for the servicemen. Yes, it's a touch of home. Mm, right. it, that that's really it. It, it. When uh, you have to, in the fifties, sixties, seventies, especially when you're in a country like Taiwan or Germany or, or Thailand, there's not any English language entertainment. Right, mm. and, and and there's not any English language news. And that would have been even more true in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And just to kind of drive that point home a little bit, I mean, I was kind of Googling around a little bit to find uh, if there was anything about uh, this period online. Uh, And there were a couple of folks kind of reminiscing from their time in the 60s and 70s in Taiwan and how vividly they remembered uh, listening to this network. I mean, it really did make a big impact on their lives, just listening or being a part to any of these uh, stations. Yeah, it's interesting being at the TAS reunion of uh, a couple of weeks ago, I suppose, and the exact same thing where Tony Scott, who's going to be on the program just a little bit later, was talking a little bit about the programming and his role there. And the same, exactly what you're talking about. People really, really, it struck a chord that yeah. this was this was their major form of entertainment Whereas radio kind of takes a backseat to maybe YouTube today or, 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 or some other uh, media forms, people really kind of, you know, grabbed onto it as if this was, you know, the, the most popular television or, or show on the face of the planet at the time. I was going to say one thing with the, the you were asking about what's changed, and, and you both touched on it there, that what really has changed is technology. And we used to be almost which game in town, but with the Internet and different uh, radio stations that are operating in that national country, uh, like Germany and places like that, we have competition now. We we were the only English radio station in town. We aren't anymore. Yeah, right. Well, we certainly know what that means. (laughs) We know what that means here in Taipei. It's the only (laughs) radio station with English. George, listen, thanks so much for joining us uh, here this morning. We really appreciate your insight and your kind of uh, uh, expertise here on on the subject, and uh, we wish you good luck. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, we've got to take a short break here on The Morning Show with Terry. We'll continue more of our Wednesday extended interview here where we're talking about uh, a time when the Armed Forces Network ruled here in Taipei as far as English language programming goes. We'll take a short break and back in just a moment. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, good morning indeed. It's 
Time to get back to the morning show with Terry. I can't wait to wake up. Right here on ICRT. 1025, we return to our Wednesday extended interview segment in which we have uh, Keith Baroni in, and he is uh, or has restored. Uh, a lot of tapes from the uh, from the AFN uh, network period. Yeah, he met a guy at uh, a <laughs> flea market. <laughs> a freaking flea market. Yeah. That's what it took to, to get a hold of some of these tapes. He's been uh, preserving them up and uh, learning a little bit about the history of the network. He actually, uh, Keith, you, you wrote an article mm-hmm. about the history of uh, AFN in Taiwan. Uh, so... You, you you know considerably more than even some people you know directly involved in AFN. You know quite a bit. So uh, we're going to turn to you now to kind of set up the very early days of this network in uh, Taiwan. Uh, tell us about that. How did it really get started in the first place in the 50s? Well, it started, of course, after 1949 uh, when the KMT came to Taiwan. And, you know, it was at the time when the U.S. military base, you know, we're putting U.S. military personnel here in Taiwan. And every place where there's U.S. military personnel, they'll have an AFN station. So the station started like that. But it wasn't a big operation at the time. It was very small, maybe a few hours a day, renting um, transmitter time from other, from local stations. And then eventually expanding it when they realized, oh, we're going to be here a lot longer than we thought. Expanding it, doing a lot of their own local programming. Uh, and, and that's basically how it started. And in, in those days, today, of course, you're using FM. In those days, they were using medium wave. Mm-hmm. And at one point, they even had two short wave frequencies, which covered not only Taiwan, but made its way to Europe, to oh, Asia wow. Pacific. And a lot of shortwave listeners at the time would remember picking up the low-powered shortwave frequency from Taiwan and writing in to get a reception report. And oh, that's, wow. that's actually how you uh, got some of your information uh, uh, about the network, is talking to some of those people. Yeah, we see, you know, the thing that's interesting about uh, AFN, uh, AFN probably has a lot of their history about what they did in Washington and their big, big organizations like they had in Vietnam. But something like Taiwan, which is much smaller... Uh, preserving programs and preserving the history wasn't really the main priority. Yeah. Right. In Germany, it was. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and other big... And, and Korea and, and Japan as well. Um, so there were a couple of, of shortwave listeners, people in their 70s and 80s, when I said, I'm looking for some information and some pictures. Right. And they said, oh, yes, I wrote them in 1962 when wow. I was listening to them on 3-2 blah, 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 kilohertz. And they wrote back and they sent some pictures of the, of their studio and the receptionist. Uh, and then I had a chance to visit them when I visited Taiwan in 1968 and took some pictures and, and recorded stuff on the air. So... You know, and, and listening to this stu- these things, I'm going, well, this is incredible because actually, in some cases, shortwave listeners have done a better job at documenting a station's history than the station itself. Yeah, right. Well, I guess shortwave listeners had a real kind of, uh, I, I want to say it was a hobby, but it was kind of more of a hobby. It ha- they had that kind of real uh, interest in what yeah. they were doing there. The same way we talked about stamp collecting this morning or, or whatnot. A lot of times stamp collectors will know more about the stamps themselves than the postal services. And, right. and, and shortwave radio was certainly very much like well, that. Well, you see, for example, something that many people would not even realize this, but AFN also had a station in China. During the Second World War. It didn't last very long. I think maybe less than a year and a half. Uh, But that was just for the short period of time towards the end of the Second World War. Uh, And also, again, renting airtime on different transmitters. Uh, But very little information is known about it. Uh, The information that I've only been able to find out is 
um, frequencies that they used, the time of hours that they were on the air, but everybody else went, oh, we don't, we don't have, we didn't keep any records. Right. Let's get into some of the clips that you did bring. Why don't you, uh, why don't we start talking about those a little bit? Because you brought a whole kind of gamut of a couple of different things. Uh, why don't we start talking about some of those? Right. So this is going to kind of pick up on uh, one of the points that we were hearing from George Smith right there. Uh, the fact that uh, in Taipei, uh, listening to AFNT was uh, one of the first ways that uh, local residents of Taipei were exposed to a lot of American music. Uh, and you were making the point to me that it really was a broad range of music that was being played on the network. Right. And, and of course, not just American music, but British music, you know, popular music at the time. Uh, whereas ICRT is, okay, this is your format. If it's a classical station, it's a classical station. Uh, in, in Taiwan, Armed Forces Taiwan Network was... 20 different stations all combined into one. Exactly. One minute you could be hearing jazz. Well, this is the interesting thing is that ICRT really does mirror that. ICRT has the responsibility and carries the responsibility that the Armed Forces Network did have in that we are responsible for English programming here. And English programming is now, not a genre. Yeah, in a globalized world especially mm-hmm. – Encompasses just about anything exactly. nowadays, right. and and I think this is one of the things I always like to to just put an exclamation point on this, and I won't take up too much time saying this, but whenever I'm in the community and people are asking me about ICRT, I say ICRT has a, a big burden, and I don't think people realize how diverse what we need to get across or would like to get across our in the course of one day where we have jazz we have music from africa we have the the hits from all across asia we have of course local taiwanese uh, or uh, artists that come in i mean there's a wide range and and that's carrying on from afn and that's what they used to do right and you know the, the only difference though with then and today would be for example one hour they'd be playing the rolling stones and the beatles and the next hour they'd say now time for some light music Here's Ray Conniff and his singers. Yeah, well, <laughs> believe it or not, that's not that different from ICRT at all. It, it, it really isn't. I mean, uh, in the course of one program, uh, Frank Sinatra might be played, and I'll play Metallica in the next. You know, And I think everybody really, the, the programming is approached that way right. here at ICRT. So we have uh, uh, the first clip here. Why don't you set this up for us? If I'm not mistaken, I believe this is sort of... If you tune to Armed Forces Network Taiwan, the various music formats that that you would have been able to hear at the time. This is the Armed Forces Network Taiwan. Then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. Running the gamut of uh, popular music. In, uh, now, I'm going to guess 1964. I, I want to say 62, but I'm going to say 64. 
Uh, well, the music is actually from different periods from the 60s. Right. Uh, I, I should mention that the third song in there was by Ray Conniff and his singers called Happiness Is. And Ray Conniff and his group did special recording sessions for the Armed Forces Network. Uh, and, and a lot of the jingles that were on AFN, even the first days of ICRT, were by Johnny Mann and his singers. Mm, the wow. first days. So actual artists uh, coming to Taiwan doing recordings. And uh, I think. Well, uh, they wouldn't be made here. They would be made maybe Los Angeles or New mm. York or whatever, but then they would be sent here. Right. And AFN was had a lot of artists coming in, a lot of different people coming in at different times. You're right, some was recorded there, but, but AFN, specifically here in Taiwan, had a few uh, people that would roll in from time to time, and they would be responsible in setting that up. Right. Well, see, if, if you had, say, for example, you had the USO Tour, which is the United States entertainment uh, group that would various visit the various uh, armed forces um, posts. So if they were coming, let's say, to Asia, they would probably, if they had time, they would stop in Taiwan. So groups like the Searchers, mm. Diana Ross and the Supremes, mm. uh, the list goes on and on, all came to Taiwan to perform at the American Club wow. and was broadcast on a, uh, Armed Forces Network Taiwan. Wow. Uh, so imagine that. Imagine seeing Diana Ross. Yeah, here no, in I think America. Yeah, no, that's the <laughs> that's American crazy. And uh, so that would all be for the the armed forces stationed over here, a form of entertainment for them. It would be a form of entertainment for them. I mean, they had like various different acts that were coming over, um, because Bob Hope, among them, Bob Hope. Yes, among them, Bob Hope, who brought his shows to every. Oh, he brought them to Korea, Japan, Germany. He brought the, the, his uh, Bob Hope show to all U.S. posts. Taiwan was. One of them as well. Well, he was very um, iconic as far as servicemen went because he would, you're right, go to all the posts. He would make a point of making it a, a special as well on television. Right. You know, Bob Hope overseas uh, performing for the servicemen, uh, the American servicemen and whatnot. So this this, this was something that if him coming to Taiwan must have been just a huge deal. The well, guy with the golf club for anybody younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> when, when, when he came to Taiwan, it's because he had just been performing in Vietnam. And of course, mm -hmm. it was on the way and he would bring the show to places I mean okay like Vietnam when the war was going on he would bring them to places where like the shelling was only like you know 20 or 30 kilometers away wow and these acts would be flown in by helicopter sometimes I mean, wow and very dangerous you know uh, situation so Taiwan for them was like very relaxing <laughs> Bob Hope in Taiwan here we are at Chongqing Chongqing Air Base Taiwan must be tough duty here I'm pooped just saying it now, if Ching Chung Kang Air Base is a mystery to you, it's about a half hour drive from Tai Chung. Let's face it, we're lost. No, this is Formosa, or as it's known in the UN, the old shucks. They call Formosa the beautiful island, but after you've been here a while, it looks like Gilligan's Island. five miles from Red China. On a clear day, you can see Mao Tung giving the Red Guard swimming lessons. And you can hear the fortune cookies snapping. And on a clear day, you can read them. Now, this is the home nest of the Red Lions, the Black Knights, and the Red Devils. The C-130 crews who have been freighting us around Vietnam. I hope I'm not, I'm not the reason they call them the trash haulers. Is that what they call them? just want to tell all you guys with the 130s, you've done a marvelous job for us and really got us in and out fast, and that's what I like. Now, the C-130 is a four-engine plane most of the time. 
Last year we, uh, we lost an engine going in the long bin, and when we landed, they made us pay for it. Now we had a great trip with them, and they made a great landing for us at Lye Cay. That's some feel. The last 50 feet on the runway is up a rubber tree. All right, uh, Bob Hope there entertaining. I'm guessing he was entertaining the servicemen there. Was that where was that held? Do you remember? Or was, was uh, this was at the um, the Chung uh, the airbase that he mentioned. Oh, John oh, Shannon. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I should mention also that 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 clip. Uh, which aired on Armed Forces Network Taiwan was also a television special for NBC mm. at the time. Oh, wow. So okay. it broadcast all across America as well. Mm. That is the funny that Bob Hope was bringing to Taipei in 1969. Uh, very interesting stuff right there. We're going to move ahead uh, to our next clip as well. Another uh, piece of tape that you preserved was actually about an hour-long uh, show. Uh, I believe it was called China Nights. Well, China Nights was a late-night program that would air... Uh, from 10 o'clock onward. Um, we have a couple of hours of it, but because of the condition of the tape, so far I've only been able to digitize one. Mm. And it was a late-night program that played light entertainment music, like we heard a moment ago, maybe a little bit of Andy Williams, mm. followed by maybe a bit of Herb Alpert, and then maybe something by The Searchers or Diana Ross. So it was really, you know, it was all over the place. All right, so uh, what we're going to set up right here is this is how the hour would have started Similar to us at ICRT with uh, the weather. This is the Armed Forces Network, Taiwan. And at 11.05, Chinese Air Force Weather Central reporting mostly cloudy skies and possible occasional rain for this evening. The high today was 88 degrees. Look for cloudy skies and occasional rain tomorrow. A low in the low 70s. Currently under mostly cloudy skies. The winds from the west at 5 miles an hour. The humidity 90%. And the 11.05 temperature, 79.79 degrees. Folks in Taipei are advised to look out their windows right now. That's exactly what it's like. It's a Doctor Who, actually. It's actually Doctor Who. (laughs) (laughs) Not much has changed in uh, 40-odd years, has it? Uh, uh, Excellent. Okay, let's uh, move to this next clip that we have here. All right, we're going to delve a little bit more into the set. Here we're going to hear the uh, the DJ that they had at the time kind of setting up the hour. By which I mean the intro to the show. Wan An, and welcome to music-filled moments on this China Night. And that's him just setting up the program. Now we'll have the uh, the clip, the other clip that you had uh, mentioned. Let's go to that. The Baja Marimba Band and the Cry of the Wild Goose. Hi, I'm Frank Fellers, and this is China Night for a Sunday evening. A rather damp, cool Sunday evening here in Taipei. But I had to play a rather lively tune to get your attention tonight. I ran across some information that you might be interested in. On this day in 1775, paper money was authorized by Congress. It must have been a pretty good day because at that time, a dollar was worth a dollar. Stick around. Here's Anne Margaret. The name of the tune? You came a long way from St. Louis. Terry, I just want to point out something. Yeah. What we just listened to is the 1969 version of This Day in History. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. It was just something we still do here on the, uh, the morning show. Uh, it's interesting, the, the, the sound, but that being from 1969, it kind of seems to conjure an image of, or for me, an image of the way DJs talk like in the 40s and 50s. And here, dames, we've got a lot of music for you. Well, you know? it, it, it was. I mean, there was the time when if you listened to newsreaders, they'd be like, and today in the news, we're yeah. looking at... Da, 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 and they would be like singing almost, you know. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, it, it, the style that he's using is not is not too unusual for that time. Yeah, right. It's just not into, it, it sounds when we listen to it today, it sounds funny because I think if anybody did that today, you'd be laughed at. But at the time, you, this is the way you had to sound. Yeah, it's just, I, I mean, sound. to me, that was fascinating. Listening to these tapes was you're right, just the just the delivery that they used, which which was different at the time. And keeping in mind, you know, radio was was much bigger at the time too in '69 when we're listening to this. This, this just would have been was huge, you know? And the other thing that you might notice, at the pace that he was speaking, the pace that he was speaking is actually quite important, which goes to show that he was obviously speaking slower yeah. for people who are not native English speakers. Yeah, right. Something we always have to be aware of here at ICRT, right. of course. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, here's what we got to do. Uh, just kind of that's going to lead very nicely into our next guest who we're going to have on in just a moment. Uh, in a moment, we'll be talking to a good friend of the morning show and somebody who worked uh, here in Taiwan, in uh, Tony Scott. So we're going to take a short break. Keith, hopefully you'll stay right where you are. Uh, both Keith and Keith, hopefully you'll both stay where you are. Both of us. And we'll be back in just a moment. It's the morning show with Terry right here on ICRT. Because it's the best music. Listening at lunch. Your English connection in Taiwan. I listen at work. I listen at home. I listen all the time. ICRT. This is the American Forces Network, Taiwan. We jump ahead to 1975 now, and uh, joining the program, a good friend of the morning show here. He spent uh, some time in Taipei, graduated from TAS, the American school here, worked for the Armed Forces Network. It's where he got his start in radio before he uh, became the radio, L.A. radio legend that he is. He's heard in uh, a number of cities uh, each and every day in America. Tony Scott joining the program. Tony, good morning. Niao, <laughs> how are you? Hey, I'm glad you know. You it was look. six weeks ago, just Terry. Six weeks ago, I was there at those studios, and then uh, after the show, we ran around Taipei hitting beer gardens, and I think I'm still hungover. We did, we did. <laughs> well, Tony, it was great having you. It's great having you back here, um, especially on uh, uh, this program here, where we're talking about the Armed Forces Network. Why don't you tell us uh, the beginning of the story here, how you got involved, and uh, how TAS was involved? Uh, because we've got a clip of, I think it's, I think it's of you here on uh, on Tiger yeah. Beat. Tell us just quickly about yeah. that. Well, my, I'll, I'll try to do it quickly. Interrupt me if it's not quick enough, Terry. But uh, my family and I moved to Taiwan from Kenya in 1974. We settled on Yangmingshan, which is Grass Mountain in English, and no wisecracks from people in the states. It had nothing to do with that. But we used to catch the school bus to Taipei American School right down the street from our house on Yangmingshan, and I noticed this white bunker-looking building across the street. No windows. It's very mysterious. And what added to the mystery was the arrival and departure of uh, men and women in uniform and civilians. You know, and I'd wait for the bus, and I just I finally couldn't take it anymore, and I approached a woman one day. I said, what is that? She says, well, that's AFNT. And I couldn't believe it was right down the street from me. And she offered a, a tour one day after school. And I think it was the next day I was knocking on the door. Right. So I got the tour. I met the staff. Within six months or so, I had weaseled my way onto the air as uh, as the host of uh, the TAS Saturday morning show called Tiger Beat. Okay, I'll hold and you right there for a second, Tony, while we uh, while we kind of put this into context for everybody. I finished my homework. Tuesday, October 22nd at 4.30, there's a girls' basketball game in the TAS gym. And Wednesday, October 22nd at 3.30, there's a cross-country meet. The starting line somewhere between TAS and Ricardo Lenz, but it doesn't say exactly where. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. That's uh, Tony. Was that you? Thank God my voice changed. It was tough to get a gig. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I tell you what, you we, we talked about delivery before we were going to the break, and I don't know if you had heard about that, but, I mean, it sounds like that was 1975 for our listeners. It sounds like like the, the, that delivery kind of stayed right through to 1975 where you had this kind of almost New York, uh, hey, everybody, the news is coming up, you know, this this real kind of... <laughs> That, that was, that was actually, Terry's impression honestly, of you. A clip from my first ever on-air broadcast. Oh, that really? Was an hour into it. Wow. So, yeah. Well, well you sounded uh, great, man. You're a natural. <laughs> oh, cool. I don't know. I think so the after, threw it up and it's too fast. After Tiger beat, uh, you you stayed on there for a little while. Yeah, I graduated TAS and stayed on and uh, started filling in for the other guys. I, I stayed on Taiwan. It was tough to leave. You know that. I mean, you just you get to Taipei's great. It's a wonderful place to live. There's a lot of expats there, and I had a great group of friends. And I stayed till 1978. I left Taipei, came back stateside, and by the end of 1978, I was on the air at WPGC in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. which was the big top 40 station at the time. And I yeah, right. made my way west. I'm here in L.A. for over 25 years now. Yeah, right. Wow. So this is so where it all started. Not, uh, let me just say, I'm back at AFN. For uh, for quite a few years, doing features and imaging for uh, the classic rocker for AFN, which was heard in over a hundred countries. So, wow! Yeah, full circle. I know it's crazy. The golden voice right here on uh, on my program. I'm honored, Tony. You know that it all started on Tiger Beat. Tiger Beat. Hey, uh, that wasn't my idea. That's the mascot for Tiger <laughs> America. So, <laughs> I believe it still is. Guys, I have to say before we before we wrap this up, before I run out of time, I want to say hello to Tiger American School alumni who were part of the recent worldwide reunion. There's a lot listening. We had over 150 people from around the world who went to TAS, lived on the island. We had a week of so much fun. We all stayed at the Grand Hotel, and thanks to Lloyd Coleman. Yeah. Listening now, he organized everything, and it was just spectacular. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be there at the, uh, at the end with you guys. Good. Uh, Tony, just give us uh, an idea of AFN, and just in your time there, the, the, the late 70s, just talk very quickly about the type of programming that, that we might have heard. Well, we had music shipped over weekly. We'd have entire albums, and then we'd have top 40 hits on vinyl. Uh, but we also had shows shipped over. They were recorded back in the States, then shipped. Uh, American Top 40, Wolfman Jack were very popular. We had Tom Campbell stateside, Charlie Tuna. We had ra- uh, radio comedy segments like The Tooth Fairy and Chicken Man. Wow. Hold, I'm going to hold your uh, hold you right there. Wolfman Jack. Making their appearance. So this is this is how Wolfman Jack made it to Taiwan. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Great stuff, Tony. It was huge. Great stuff. Well, listen. Thanks so much for joining us here this morning and uh, helping us take this uh, trip through our time machine into uh, when IC before ICRT was ICRT. So thanks so much, Tony. We're gonna we're gonna send you off with this last little, uh, and we'll let you say goodbye. Thank you. Zaijian? <laughs> Zaijian. All right, Tony, thanks so much. Network, Taiwan. Hey, guys, thank you. Taipei. 
Why did we lose the jingle and the gong and everything? We should have kept that. Yeah, I know. The jingle and the gong seems to be important to weather reports and everything at <laughs> really, the time. It really sells it. You know, I just thought if you have nothing to say about the weather, just keep running that clip at certain times of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It fits perfectly. Yeah, that's yeah. right. If we, ever, if we ever don't get anything from the Central Weather Bureau, we can just rerun that weather because it hasn't changed Has much. It hasn't changed in it's cloudy, 50 years. About 80 degrees. About that. All right. Well, just uh, before we leave here as well, Keith, because we do uh, we have run out of time in just a just a, a great hour here, and uh, we kind of owe it all to you uh, for preserving AFN. And I'm, they're happy uh, you've done it, I'm sure. And we here, of course, uh, uh, thank you so much for helping us take this. Well, the stuff I should I should mention that we're starting to digitize it little by little. Uh, the tapes are being sent to Australia, where they're going to be cleaned up before we can actually put them on a deck and transfer them. Uh, we're starting when that's done. Actually, we will be releasing them where people will be able to to listen to that material um because a lot of it is it is interesting i mean it's part of the radio history of taiwan now many people would not think that it is english radio in taiwan but it is oh no it's it it, it very much is and it's icrt owes everything uh, to to the afn uh, without mm-hmm. afn uh, we wouldn't be sitting here right now talking about they, it. We and they sitting bought in the it for a dollar yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when a dollar was worth a dollar. When a dollar Very was, good. When a dollar just was like worth a dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good. All right, Keith. Well, thanks so much. And uh, keep in touch because in the future, uh, some of those tapes get cleaned up and get digitized. We'd love to have you back. Uh, like I said, we, we really could have done a couple of hours on this. And uh, there's lots of stories here and obviously very important to the history of ICRT. So thanks very much for joining us this morning. Uh, thanks to Tony as well for joining us. Tony Scott and George Smith as well. Uh, all had uh, a great hand in uh, helping us with this hour here. Uh, all right, Keith, thanks so much, man. We'll be back next week. What do we got going on next week for our next? All right, sorry to cut off Terry there, but we are coming up on the end of the show for today. Uh, that, once again, was The Morning Show with Terry Ingle, featuring sounds from yesteryear in the Armed Forces Network called Taiwan Home. Uh, behind me right now, we're listening once again to China Night, hosted by Frank Fellers. Uh, that was a show produced right here in Taiwan all the way back in 1969. We started his set uh, a little bit earlier in the program, uh, but there are a lot of interesting clips in there. So uh, with your indulgence, if you want to stick around, uh, I'm going to play just a little bit more of it for you. Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass and their rendition of Wade in the Water. You know, I've been told by an informed source that marriage is just another union that defies management. You're in tune with the Armed Forces Network Taiwan, and this is Taipei. Continuing the Sunday edition of China Night, Patty Page sings, Wish Me a Rainbow. Well, you know, actually, what I think we're going to do is let Frank end out the show for me, turn it over to him just to round out the show. Uh, before I go, though, I would like to remind our listeners that you can find more Taiwan Talk interviews uh, just like the one you heard right here at the Taiwan Talk podcast stream. Uh, you can find that on iTunes, the ICRT website, and on the ICRT blog. Uh, please do leave a comment 
while you're there at the blog. We'd love to hear what you're thinking about the shows uh, or if you have any memories of the Armed Forces Networks to share with us. We'd love to hear that as well. Signing off from the ICRT studios for Taiwan Talk and The Morning Show, I am Keith Menconi. Uh, and now, as promised, here's Frank Fellers with his show, China Night, uh, ending out his show as I guess you do in 1969, uh, with a little bit of a safety reminder. You know, when you're out on the road, it's best to drive in a manner that will allow your license to expire before you do. Please, please fasten, please fasten your, please fasten your seatbelt. Thank you. Well, time is running out on this Sunday edition of China Night. I'm Frank Fellers. I've been your host this evening, and I hope you've enjoyed the program. Come in again next weekend at 11.05 on Saturday and Sunday evening, and I'm sure you'll find more music that will suit your particular listening taste. From the album New Look, here's George Shearing and Strangers in the Night. <laughs>